Hello, it's Talia again. Who else would it be? Um, so I'm going to take this first real episode to kind of introduce myself to you. So like I said, I'm 19 years old and I don't know what I'm doing with my life because I'm having um, an identity crisis. Yeah, so there's a lot about my background and history that I could go into and I don't really know what to talk about specifically but um I'm just gonna like talk about I guess my illness first because um my primary reason for making this podcast is so that um people don't feel so alone when they're going through illnesses because my experience was completely isolating um not because of other people but well it was mostly because I had I have always had social anxiety and social anxiety mixed with being a new kid mixed with having a chronic illness um doesn't really equate to being that outgoing and making friends so I'll start off with like my illness and um go from there so I was 13 years old when I was diagnosed with my illness. It is an autoimmune disease. It goes by HSP. The name, the abbreviation is for the two like founders of the disease. And I can only pronounce one of their names. So I'm not even gonna try, you know? I've had this illness for six years of my life and I still haven't learned how to pronounce it, you know? normal things anyway um this autoimmune disease hsp is not that common and i am in the one percent of people who get kidney failure from it um it also doesn't tend to affect young girls but it affected me um and it also doesn't tend to affect girls in my age range so i was like really in like the 1% to get this disease and have it make my kidneys fail so you know I've always said that I'm very rare and unique and my illness just wanted it had big shoes to fill so it was like we have to be rare and and unique just like Talia um I'm sorry if I mumble a little bit that's like the number one thing you should not do on a podcast and I did it this is my first episode no bother um what am I saying anyway um I went to multiple doctors and multiple hospitals and they just couldn't figure out what this was um I should say my symptoms first um so um the P in HSP stands for purpura which is like hive like bumps on the skin I'm sorry if this is a little bit of graphic detail I should put like well I'll I'll um put in my description that it talks about um HSP so yeah um I also just was very ill meaning I'll elaborate I could not eat or drink anything like my body couldn't hold it down I my stomach would cramp horrendously and it just would not stay down so I became very malnourished and I lost a lot a lot a lot of weight um, the thing about kidney failure or organ organ failure in general is that it when one organ fails it makes all your other organs work harder so when my kidneys failed all my other organs were working like 10 times harder so my heart started to work really hard and I got high blood pressure because of it um, I still have high blood pressure but in a short but concise I guess sentence about my illness I can't make it short and concise I'm sorry it's like a very complicated disease that affected all these parts of my body um, and it was six years ago so I can't really remember everything sorry but yeah I was diagnosed in 2014 um, and it was a very scary time for me I can go into the emotions a little bit so I have always had a weak immune system I was born with a weak immune system I have really bad eczema and I have really bad allergies so like weak immune system is like embedded in my soul um 
and it's just I've I used to be so um sick all the time that every, when every winter came around I would always get not just a cold but like the sh a butt strep throat like I was on antibiotics every winter like clockwork you know I was just getting sick all the time um and it like I said it was every winter so when winter came around I was like mom I'm feeling sick already and she was like well it's kind of just what you do um she didn't say it like that she was much <laughs> nicer than that but yeah so that's a little bit of history about me but going back to my illness um it was a huge roller coaster I can't even get into everything right now because I don't I don't even know I can't remember everything um but I'll be sure to throughout this podcast um include more details um yeah but essentially after I kept going to doctors and doctors and they weren't listening to me finally on November 1st of 2014 the day after Halloween I was just feeling so sick and I had enough and I was like no I don't care what they tell me at the hospital I have to go um I don't care if they turn me away I just need someone to look at me and tell me what's wrong um I'm gonna backtrack a little bit before this um I had started at a new hospital and I had gotten a new pediatrician just because we were trying to my mom and I were trying to find what this is what my illness was we didn't know the disease but we were like um this is not normal for me I've lost an incredible amount of weight in such a short period of time something's not right so so what was I gonna say um so yeah I started with a new doctor they took my labs and everything and I'll just say this little quick insert so if you don't know um labs or blood work um are very essential to diagnosing kidney failure and being aware of what's going on with your kidneys because you can't really tell without um blood test um yeah so I was just we were really trying to get to the bottom of it they saw it, um they kept looking at the rat the purpura as if it was a rash and my um stomach issues as if it was celiac disease that's actually what i was they full-blown said i i had celiac disease and i was like but i but i eat things with gluten in it and it doesn't make me sick it's very there's no rhyme or reason to when i am getting sick it's just you know it's random but they didn't listen to me because i won't go into it um it's not like some big scandalous thing but um yeah so I'm sorry this is like a very long story and it's like I can't be a straight shooter but I'm gonna try I really want to try um yeah so they took my labs and then the doctor who took my labs went on vacation for two weeks I'll explain why this is so detrimental to my health later anyway the November 1st is when I go to the hospital they see I'm severely dehydrated for once and um they hooked me up to an IV. Fun fact, this was the first day I learned that I have thin veins. Oh, well, this, yeah, they were, like, looking in my arm. So, um, you know where, like, your elbow is, but, like, your inner arm, your joint, literally, oh, your joint, um, usually people get IVs there. I do not. Um, it's a genetic thing. I have thin veins. Um, they just don't protrude like other veins do. Um, but if you're dehydrated, your veins really don't protrude. Like, it's so hard to find a vein on someone that's dehydrated. So, they put the IV in my hands, and I continue to get, like, lab and blood works in my hands to this day because it's just so much easier. Um, but anyway, um, they hook me up to an IV, and they're, like, gonna monitor me. This is the, uh, I should also say that this hospital is the hospital that I was going to to see my regular um physician the one that i the one that um took my blood work and then left for two to three weeks um so yeah they were like looking at everything they could do and then they finally um were like oh she's so dehydrated we should just admit her 
they also finally looked at my labs after two to three weeks and realized that my kidney function was very very bad and that my hemoglobin which is kind of like um kind of is a good manner a good measure of energy um my hemoglobin was like at five or seven you might be a wondering that's that's not what does that mean i don't know what a hemoglobin is supposed to be honestly i've forgotten what a normal hemoglobin is but i do know that five and seven isn't it um it's incredibly low for a hemoglobin um so they had to be like yeah we can't send you home um they were even asking me how i was able to walk to school every day because i haven't mentioned i was still going to middle school every day um yeah it was a lot and they were like how are you operating how are you functioning your hemoglobin is so low you shouldn't even be able to walk in here and it was really the thing of like you don't know how sick you are until you realize it like i never gave myself a chance to really sit and have a break because i was pushing myself so hard and it was like oh wow i actually feel really really sick so that was my hemoglobin and my creatinine was kidney function my creatinine was terrible now creatinine is the higher the number the worse the kidney function whereas hemoglobin is the lower the number the worse the hemoglobin so it can get kind of confusing um but this has been my life for so long i kind of just know it by heart but yeah so my kidney function was terrible if they had caught it earlier i would have been admitted sooner and put on dialysis sooner it's no surprise that i was put on dialysis but yeah that um little mistake could have cost me my life um but yeah that mistake truly could have cost me my life um now i'm like beating around the bush of like the really big thing that happened to me that made them realize that um i was really sick was the fact that i had a seizure um when they admitted me into their hospital i was upstairs and they were giving me medication i was ready to stay there over the night and i had a seizure um i can't speak to how my seizure looked i can only um talk about how it felt um because i wasn't able to look at myself but i will never forget what it was like to have my first seizure um i was going out of consciousness slowly and i literally got sick right before um my seizure happened and it was horrendous like not necessarily the seizure but the pain that i was feeling every day um yeah but the seizure was not fun in any way um i just remember going out of consciousness and saying that i don't feel good and then my ears kind of did that ringing noise and then i went into a seizure um i do know that i faintly heard um my mom saying something from time to time but that was it i just i went out of consciousness and i woke up and there were doctors surrounding me telling me that um i had kidney failure and that the hospital that i'm at doesn't have the facilities to take care of a pediatric kidney failure patient because i would have to go on dialysis i was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure so my my kidneys were kaput as they say they were done for um yeah so it was a very eventful day for me a year i should six years i should say um but yeah i had two seizures after that i don't remember what they were like and i don't remember when they happened because at that point they had given me an insane amount of drugs so like it really gets fuzzy and foggy from there but anyway they had to discharge me and admit me into another hospital they had to transfer me to another hospital um i won't name the previous hospital that i went to where all this stuff happened um so yeah but the the things that really really 
harmful to my care was that my labs were literally overlooked for two to three weeks my mom kept calling the hospital to ask for my lab work and they just never gave it to her because the doctor was on break and technically no other doctor could look at my labs which when your labs are that dangerous and I literally could have died without somebody looking at my labs it's not that's not that's not a good idea um yeah it was it still feels surreal talking about it knowing that that happened to me um and there's like there was funny stuff all along the way that I'm just not getting into right now but yeah it was the the, the, I had high blood pressure throughout the whole time I was going to multiple doctors and trying to see what I had and they kind of just pass it off like oh well she's a black girl it's common for them to have high blood pressure but I was 13 you know I wasn't even 13 at that point I was 12 my goodness I don't remember I really don't remember at this point but um wait it was I can remember it was 2014 so I was 13 it was November of 2014 yeah so it was insane to say the least chaotic a whole lot but finally when I was admitted they were like oh we can see her labs and she's very not healthy and we don't even have the facilities to take care of her so we have to transfer you to another hospital can you imagine how that feels like I've just had a seizure and they're like oh you have to go (laughs) you are too sick for us you're too sick for this hospital leave that's that's they're it's kind of what they said but they're also kind of like we're incompetent at this hospital and we cannot take care of a pediatric dialysis patient or a pediatric kidney failure patient therefore be gone um <laughs> yeah but uh, it was very mishandled and just uh, poorly 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 what was the word i was thinking of poorly um taken care of that's not what the anyway yeah so after that i went to the i went to nyu um and i'm saying nyu's name because nyu was such an amazing hospital um i had the greatest time there and i know that's like not a good thing to say like you had a fun time at the hospital it's like no things weren't fun but for my first time being in a hospital i felt so cared for and taken care of it's the same thing but it was such a nice experience for a first time admission and let me tell you i was very well ingrained in that hospital you want to know why here's the kicker i was in the hospital for 24 days i was in the hospital for 24 days at nyu almost a month of my life was in that hospital okay and guess what that's not even my longest hospital stay like you want to know let's get into it later but yeah so i got to know the nurses and all the other caregivers very well at nyu so trust me i can say that they were amazing there so yeah that was the real start of my journey um and NYU was when I got, well, let me back it up because I was first in the PICU, which is the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit. Um, yeah, that was a whole other thing. So I'm going to really like try to scale it back and like remember everything from 2014. Um, but yeah, I, my experience was a roller coaster to say the least but i first got a central line so i can't really explain every single thing that i've like had or gotten so maybe i'll do another episode where like i explain each thing but um this is kind of just for 
I don't know, explanation's sake. I don't really know what I'm saying. Like I said, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. This is off the dome. Like, no plan. Maybe I should have planned. I think I should have planned. But I didn't. So deal with it. Um. What was I saying? You see, this is why you plan. Um, but I had a central line. The first central line was in my neck, which is like so crazy to think about and um it was so annoying you know you don't maybe you don't know but it was so annoying because every time i would move my head it would beep mind you i'm severely sedated at this point still because i i you know i i don't know but like i'm not very conscious because my body is literally um shutting down and all my organs are working hard so I couldn't keep up anymore you know my body gave in I had seizures oh sorry tangent side note um I just wanted to say I the reason why I say I could have died with the with my with the hospital not telling me my lab work is because had I had that seizure at home with my mom grandmother and grandfather who have no hospital training and don't know what to do with someone who has who is having a seizure they they what would they would have they would have called 911 and like who knows how quickly they would have gotten to me so it was a literal lifesaver that i pushed myself so hard to not just myself but also my family to go to the hospital like it was a dire need like had I not been in the hospital with that seizure who knows what could have happened and I didn't just have one seizure I had multiple so imagine having those at home with someone who is with people who are completely inexperienced with seizures like no one would have known what to do so tangent aside that's why um the previous hospital was so ignorant not necessarily ignorant but very very bad experience um i hope they've gotten it together six years later but who knows and we're in a pandemic girl i don't know sorry if you're not like a girl it's just kind of a thing i say i got it from my mom i just say it i'm gonna try to not say it as much I promise but yeah I just it was a mess now back to my favorite experience NYU NYU okay um yeah so I had a central line in my neck and every time I moved it would beep 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 beep, beep. and your girl is tired <laughs> I'm exhausted my body is like I said like two minutes ago my body is failing it is shutting down your girl is a wreck. She's so tired. And every time I move my head to just get a little comfortable, I have machines on me beeping, 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 beeping every five seconds. And I'm like, I can't move my head. I was very annoyed, if you couldn't tell. Um, yeah, it, it was just crazy. Um, I think I'm going to cut this a little bit short. Um, not the podcast. But, um, I realized this is not my hospital story. I can make a whole podcast on my hospital story. Um, this is my background information slash get to know me. So, that was a little taste of my hospital experience. I'll go into it more later. But, let's talk about, let's do the bullet points. Um, I had to do dialysis, which, um, is something that I will talk about in greater detail. But there were no kids in my dialysis um, little unit. Like, they would take my bed or stretcher, whatever you want to call it. But beds and stretcher, hospital beds and stretchers are two different things. Um, but they would take my hospital bed down to the dialysis floor. And I would be hooked up to the dialysis machine. Um, yeah, for three hours, you know. Wait, I think it was four hours back in the day because I had so much toxins built up in my body. If you didn't know, kidneys get rid of the toxins in your body. You can research it, you know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. 
but yeah it was uh, listen I am it's we're 25 minutes in and I'm tired I'm tired of going through not even half of my month's day four years ago at the hospital then I tell when I tell you I have stories I'm not lying I was on the house for two years trust me I have stories um not that you were not trusting me I don't know anyways um if you can't tell my mind goes in very in many different directions all the time so bear with me please or if you're a fellow just like brain wanderer solidarity I don't know should I even have a podcast if I talk like this on a daily basis anyway had dialysis had so many surgeries in um they I was moved around a lot because the hospital was getting renovated at the time I was admitted crazy 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 a lot of stuff um so many tests so I was I wanted to get out of that hospital I literally lived there um but it was a great experience um they really helped me so much and I learned so much about my illness um and I thank them for not only saving my life um but introducing me to the hospital world it was such a good like a great first introduction i am beyond thankful to nyu truly um but the only thing about nyu is i don't know if they i don't think they have one now but um i i i should say i don't think they have one still but um to my knowledge girl get it together talk to myself get it together To my knowledge, they do not have an outpatient dialysis center. So, inpatient dialysis is when you are admitted in the hospital and they put you on dialysis. Outpatient is when you're allowed to leave the hospital and um, you only go to dialysis when you have to. My schedule was three times a week for three hours, which always ended up more than three hours. so yeah so i i learned a lot in nyu i just want to quickly say the renal diet i will get into the renal diet soon but i just want to like end my nyu story with saying i love 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 my experience there i am still in contact with my kidney doctor renal doctor nephrologist those are all they all mean the same thing um but yeah so that was the end of my NYU experience Um, I should mention that my central line um and my neck was quickly removed because it would it's just not an efficient um method of conducting dialysis and that was only for when I was on 24-hour dialysis I should specify um, I started off with constant dialysis because I was literally at stage four. Not st- um, in two thousand fourteen, they would go with they would um, toss up between saying stage four, stage five, and then end stage renal failure. So I'll just say end stage um, to make it more concise. Um, so end stage renal failure is what I had. So of course I had to be dialyzed a lot. A lot of the toxins had to be taken out of my body because they were building up for months. Um, could even have been like almost a year. We really don't know because the disease I had was so underwhelming for doctors. Not underwhelming for me. My life was flipped, turned upside down, but it was underwhelming for the doctors, I guess, which... Anyway, I can't explain what they were doing. I cannot explain what was going through their mind. So, what was I saying? Yeah, I did the little dialysis unit. Um, so let me tell you something. I was expecting like pediatrics all around me, like, you know, like going into a pediatric hospital, like what you see on TV. Girl. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, friend. It was not like that. Um, not like that at all. It was really just a little section for the pediatric patients and then right across 
the room where the um, geriatric patients, um, which is so funny to me now, um, but it, it was still a fantastic unit. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about the outpatient dialysis. Um, and that was the start of literally my world. Like, I know I said that with NYU, but like, you have to understand there's multiple starts of your world with chronic illness. At least for me, it was just like I kept being reintroduced to my forever life. And there's so many little branches of your life that you have to learn about. So I had multiple like introductions to what my life will look like um, for a very long time. Um, yeah, um, I don't even... To be honest, I don't know if I'm, like, allowed to say this stuff or if it, like, violates HIPAA, um, but it is my own experiences, um, so I don't, I don't know. I won't talk about anybody else's experience, I promise you, um, and I won't be talking about other people, but, um, yeah, uh, I will just like to say the nurses that... The dialysis technicians and nurses that helped me, I thank you so much for making two years of my life feel completely normal considering the circumstances. I did not feel, I, I, I was coming into my own, you know, I was really transforming into a new person and I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for my experience. Um, yeah, so I'll try to do this quickly, but I was on dialysis for two years. I got to know the people very well there. I got to uh, do so much fun things and uh, it was always eventful down at the dialysis unit. Um, but the point I want to clarify is that I ha did I after that 24-day admission, I was not admitted again because I was just on outpatient dialysis. But I needed a kidney. Um, my ki my end-stage renal disease had caused my kidneys to fail. I should also mention HSP is not necessarily linked with causing kidneys to fail. I think I kind of touched upon that earlier, but I want to explain it a little bit more. It's an autoimmune disease and it makes you feel very bad, but it has, it takes, it transforms into attacking your, your kidneys, your renal, I guess, um, what was I going to say? Your renal, I'm thinking of my anatomy words and they're not coming, your renal system. There it is, like nervous system. No, but your renal system, it really does attack. Um, it can attack them. It, not, it doesn't necessarily do it for everyone, but it did it for me. That's why I'm in the 1%. So yeah, another tangent, gosh. But I needed a, I needed a kidney. Um, gosh, I missed the most important part. Let's take a pause and let's do a transition again. I'm sorry, I really should have made a plan and wrote talking points, so this was a more concise story. My apologies. So, the disease I have, the kidney failure that it gives, can sometimes be reversible. Great, right? Obviously, you know um, by now that mine was not <laughs> reversible. But they had to put me on a crazy steroid, a crazy high amount of a steroid to see that if to see if they could reignite my kidneys my native kidneys to function again um that steroid was prednisone now my chronically ill friends you probably know what prednisone is and if you don't don't feel bad about it prednisone is a crazy crazy steroid now I have family members who use prednisone for asthma, however, their milligram dosage was nothing compared to how many milligrams I was taking. So I just want to preface this by saying, uh, I'm not a doctor, I cannot give you medical advice, however, um, your doctor would have, should have told you if the side effects that I'm going to talk about are susceptible to happen to you. Um, 
I have a close family um, family member right now who is on prednisone and they are not experiencing any of the side effects that I had. So it really, really depends on your dosage. Okay. Prednisone is... Ooh! Ooh! Prednisone! I have words for you. If prednisone was a person, it would be on site. You know, like it just would be. Um, ugh, I can't even, I can't even. I'm sorry, I do a British accent. I am a product of the internet. You know, I just am. I wish I wasn't, but again, I don't know who I am identity wise. I'm having a personality crisis slash identity crisis. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, stop it. <laughs> Reel it in. But prednisone, let me give you the amazing list of side effects that it caused. It caused me to be irritable. So like just angry. Like my parents would talk to me and be nice to me and I was just I was just angry. To the point where they would say, That's the prednisone talking. That's not Talia. That's the prednisone talking. Um, it also causes hair loss and hair growth crazy I know so on my head I was losing hair but on my upper lip and my nostrils I was growing hair does it make sense it does not make sense um like um it also causes acne or like an increase of pimples on your nose or just like on your face. For me, it was my nose. That was, that was fun. Um, and let's see, it stunts your growth. So I'm 5'5". Five five. I do not consider myself short. I consider myself average. My mom is 5'3". On a good day. You didn't hear that from me though. Um, and my dad is six feet tall. I've always been tall. This is another, this is a tangent within, within a tangent. It's okay. I have always been fairly tall for my age. Um, I loved it. I loved being tall. Um, and then I stopped growing for a little bit. Well, I was having my growth spurt the year I was diagnosed. So as soon as they prescribed me prednisone, I stopped having my growth spurts. And to this day, I blame prednisone for me being 5'5". Five five. When I tell you my pediatrician thought I was going to be a tall girl, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I've looked within myself and soul searched and I'm fine with my height now. A little bit still irked but that's okay and I love myself but I know I would have been tall if prednisone didn't make me stop my growth so I blame prednisone for me being 5'5 five five. because I was tall like I've been tall everybody used to talk about how tall I was and then I stopped growing. Like, when I tell you, I'm not even kidding. Like, I would grow two inches. Like, I would grow one inch every two weeks. Like, I was I was on my growth spurt. I, my feet were growing. Everything was growing. And then I took prednisone, and then it stops. My ideal height would be if I was 5'8", okay? Do you want to know how I reached that height? Um, little 14-year-old Talia, 14 or 15-year-old Talia, was like, I want to see how tall celebrities are usually. Female celebrities. That would be interesting to know. They're all around like 5, their lowest is like 5'6", but most of them are like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, and I was like, that's the height I want to be. I would like to be 5'8" makes no sense absolutely none however i was on track to become 58 i just wanted those three more inches of height and um i did not get them 
and I promise you it's because of prednisone. Prednisone? Prednisone, you raggedy, raggedy person, you. I got it out for you, prednisone. Ugh! Okay, but the most permanent, um, sorry, that was a very big tone shift, but yeah, the most permanent side effect of prednisone was my stretch marks. You cannot see them. Obviously, this is a podcast, Talia, but I will, um, who knows? I might, like, do videos on them later on in my podcasting slash media career. Who knows? Um, but my stretch marks are a big, big deal. They used to look so much different. I'll probably talk about them more in, like, probably a video aspect where you can, like, actually see them. Um, so yeah. That's just, I wanted to do a tangent on prednisone. You raggedy, ooh, so raggedy. Calm. Reel it in again. Reel it in. Just reel it in. Okay. That's that on prednisone. Um, what was it? I was talking about Mount Sinai and my experience there. Um, yeah, I'll quickly talk about transplantation for a little bit because... Um, I don't want this to be a three-hour-long podcast, but it very well could be. Just talk it. Okay. Okay, reel it in. So, um, I, oh, I should talk about my blood type. That'll help you understand my transplant story. So, my blood type is O positive. Whoop, whoop. That was so lame. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? Okay, re- recovering from that, um, I should just uh, share like a little bit more about blood types. Um, so, if you didn't, well, I don't know if you would learn this in school. I learned about like Pudnet squares and um, what's it called, blood types, but ne- necessarily like the importance of blood types, but. O blood types um, can only accept O blood types, um, whether it's transfusion, blood transfusion, I, I should specify, or transplanting of any types of organs, we can only receive O type blood. Um, o negative blood type is also considered the universal donor, so no matter what your blood type is, you can get... Um, you can receive either, um, well, there's like semantics within it, but you can receive, what's it called, a O negative blood or um, organ transplant, stuff like that. So, um, that made it much harder to try to find a living donor at first. Um, I'll, spoiler alert, I do not have a living donor kidney. Um, I, my transplant is from a deceased donor which I will also talk about that more um but yeah so blood type is a thing that matters um I think I'm gonna just like because I spent a lot of time talking already but I think I'm gonna like try to I lost my train of thought (laughs) again Um, I'm gonna try to make this concise as possible but i'm obviously not doing that well okay transplant we looked to see if anybody could transplant to me there was a possible prospect of my father transplanting me but that didn't work out there are two special stories that i want to share about um looking for a living donor transplant but i do have to get like consent to like share those stories so not gonna just like share them right now um but hopefully that's something to look to look forward to i really hope so um yeah so didn't find a transplant was on dialysis for two years which um isn't that long if you're a adult or geriatric patient but it is a long time for pediatric patients because the way the transplant the donor list used to work which is in um i'll specify in new york it's changed very much since 2014 2015 so i don't i don't know any of that i don't 
don't ask me no questions about that because I don't know no more. I barely knew when I got a transplant because it was changing already. So I don't know. But um, the way the transplant list had worked is that they had given um, pediatric patients a um, priority. Um, yeah, I, I can't speak about that. I really can't. So I was on dialysis for two years and I finally got the call that I had a um, that there was a prospect of me getting a transplant. Um, and I had received this call before in the two years, but this one was so serious because they told me to come to the hospital right away. Um, the previous calls, they had just told me to like, be prepared, we might call you in two or three hours. Um, but this one was extremely serious. They're like, girl, get your butt to the hospital. And my mom and I were like, okay. There's so many funny stories I can share about the day I was transplanted, but I'm gonna keep this short and sweet, which it, listen, we are at almost 47 minutes for a podcast. Not that bad, but this is not a short and sweet story. So let me just air out what I have to say. Um, I had a tremendous amount of complications with my transplant. Um, and oof, I can't even go into it. That's a whole other three hour long podcast, but, um, I'll let you know that I have persevered through it all but oof that was a lot that's all I have to say um and that brings me to that being my longest hospital say drumroll please it was 34 days on the dot I could not believe it I could not believe it I was like 10 more days than my previous hospital say than my previous record are you joking this is hilarious um but yeah I went from never being admitted to the hospital to my first hospital stay being 24 days and then the next hospital stay after that was 34. My body was like, we don't do little hospital stays. We don't do little hospital vacations. We settle in the hospital for a month and just dwell, just dwell in the hospital. I'm playing but it was a very long time and I can tell you the specific day I got my transplant was November 19th um and girl I'm sorry Ooh, I'm sorry um I really am like truly from the bottom of my heart but the hospital stay I had to stay, if you do the little calculations I had to stay in the hospital for Thanksgiving which honestly wasn't that big of a deal like who cares but I'll just say, um, never mind. I'm gonna keep it to myself. Um, I'm sorry to tease y'all like that, but I'm gonna keep it to myself, or maybe share it later. But yeah, I had a lot of a lot of complications that lasted for many months. Though I literally was in the hospital every month until February of 2017. So I was in and out of the hospital from November to February. It was crazy. And I can't even tell you what each admission was like. But uh, the hospital team there, again, amazing, lovely people. Love them so much. And um, you should know that I've been admitted in the hospital recently because I've been having some health complications again. You know, we persevere. We fight through it. But yeah, I get to see them and they're like, you've grown so much. I mean, the last time they saw me was in 2016 and I was 15 years old and now I'm 19 and I'm like, I go to college and they're like, you're so, you've grown. You're, you're a young woman now. And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, I have to be an adult sometimes. Um, Jokes, jokes, jokes. But yeah, it's... um. I have an amazing, amazing um, team there, and I honestly think I can call them friends. Maybe not. Maybe you pushing the. Maybe maybe you're crossing the line, Talia. Again, reel it in. Anyway, um, yeah, that's like the short and concise story. Um, I recently got sick again in 2019 of June. 
Um, and now my HSP may be back. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'm recording this. Let me see. I'm recording this on Thursday, November 12th. Um, and I have, I just had a kidney biopsy literally last Friday, last week. So, (laughs) so I'll let you know the results of my kidney biopsy. Have an appointment this the 17th of November, so we gonna see, we gonna see. But yeah, you know, they actually let me let me just warn you. They did say that my HSP will be back because we will obviously see it because after transplant it did come back too. I told you complications, but it wasn't aggressive. So we'll see. I'll probably let you know more in uh, in in one day. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a mess. But yeah. That it was my long and not so concise um, medical history. To just go into my mental health history a little bit, I've always been really anxious and shy. Um, didn't really know that there was what social anxiety was until I started going to therapy. Big, big, big advocate for therapy. I might add, I started going when I was in high school. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but I started going in junior to senior year. Um, <laughs> High school again. I in my trailer I talked about managing high managing school with um, a chronic illness. I'm sorry. You can obviously hear the horns. I live in New York City. I'm so sorry, but I cannot. This is the most quiet I will get. I'm recording at 7 p.m. Like this is the most quiet the city gets. Okay, so yeah, school school was something. Yeah, I'll save that for later. School. But, um, I will say that my mental health deteriorated deteriorated a lot after transplant. Um, I don't remember why, but it is common to get depressed after transplant, um, which sounds crazy because you're like, your life, you have a new lease on life, shouldn't you be happy? But I am not a psychologist, I am not a psychiatrist, I do not know about psychology or any of that stuff, so I can't really speak to that, but there are like reasons why um depression is so common after transplant but yeah i'll talk more about my mental health in another episode this was very fun i love just talking just talking (laughs) i love just talking um i don't know how to close a podcast this is this is my first like official podcast episode so i don't know how to close it out but hopefully you enjoyed i guess and i'll see you next time i guess i don't have a southern accent i should say i just i just speak in accents a lot again personality and identity crisis jeez please wait a minute this was supposed to be like an about me not just my hospital experience oh talia oh talia i should also say I don't like talk to myself like this a lot like talking about oh Talia but I don't know I don't know what I do anymore to be honest I don't know what I do anymore anyway um I guess I can do a little bit a little quick quick little stuff about me I guess what am I what a mess what a mess um I am of Haitian descent. I don't really like saying that because I just consider myself Haitian. Not even Haitian American. I'm just like Haitian. Um, All my grandparents were born in Haiti um, and my father was actually born in Haiti. Um, So I am first slash second generation Haitian but I just want to like my mom wasn't born in Haiti but her parents were born in Haiti. You know what I mean? Like all literally all four of my grandparents are Haitian. Born and raised in Haiti so my Haitian culture is so incredibly important to me um, and I've been raised on it and I love it it is so essential to my being you know I was gonna try to spit some Creole but I've decided not to because I do not want to be judged Um, but they're the horns again I don't know if you can hear them you probably can what I'm talking about but yeah, I really love music. 
Um, I can technically play the piano. I learned how to play the piano in dialysis, fun fact. I actually originally had learned to play the piano and when I was five years old. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can play the piano. I have a piano at home. Um, let's talk about, I told you about my eczema. I haven't told you how it affected me in school as well. Um, one thing I will say about prednisone and steroids in general, it got rid of my eczema. So eczema is not that much of a problem, at least up until 2019. <laughs> 2019 said hey you've been doing so well and i'm so proud of you but here um deal with a different illness that's literally i i can't i can't go into an extensive detail because i do want you to get a break from my voice but yeah i i i, I don't know who i am i don't know what i'd like to do i don't have a hobby i haven't had a hobby for a while when my therapist asked me what do you like to do for fun I was so preoccupied with school, trying to get into college, and my school gave a massive amount of homework, so I was literally just going to school, doing schoolwork and sleeping. I didn't have time to do fun things. My relaxation time was literally going on my phone to just deactivate my brain for a second. So I'm hoping podcasting is my hobby now. That's why I started it. Well, I started, I, like I said before, I started it to, like, help people who feel lonely not feel so alone, but I don't have a hobby, okay? I don't have a hobby. Um, I'm going to spill the tea on myself real quick. I don't have friends, and I know that sounds bad, and I have, like, close acquaintances who I like a lot, but, like, active friends who I hang out with and do stuff with, I don't have because it was so hard navigating social life with my chronic illness. And not to blame it on my chronic illness, but, you know, like I said, social anxiety, chronic illness is just not a recipe for dealing with, to make friends. It was, I was in a new school, I was at high school at this point, it was just, I didn't, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was 14, how could I know how, what I was doing? So yeah, I've learned not to beat myself up about it because it was a I was literally um yeah I read this quote on Twitter um and I don't like I don't know but it's really helped me um in not penalizing myself so much for making mistakes is that um this is the first time you're doing everything in your life everything is a first for you or um even if you um believe in reincarnation like you still your experiences are like first experiences because you've never lived this life before so give yourself some grace and allow yourself to make mistakes because you don't know what everything's going to lead to um so that's been really helpful in not being so mean to myself um yeah but we're almost at exactly an hour. I'll probably mention more things about me. I don't know if you can like get a personality from this. I really don't know. Um, and you might be like, wow, you don't sound like someone who has social anxiety. That's because this is just my voice. My picture hasn't been attached to this yet. You're not an actual person. Um, well, you're people. <laughs> I'm not talking to a person face to face. That's what I meant to say. Um, yeah it's a it's a you know and my social anxiety varies i have a very interesting um my social anxiety manifests in different ways and it's very interesting um i'm not socially anxious with people with strangers who i will like most likely never see again and like maybe adults ish like, if you're a stranger, I just don't feel socially anxious towards you. And also, the big thing is, is that um, I will become extroverted when I feel comfortable. And if I see that not many people are big personalities within the room, then I feel like I can, my real personality can shine. Is it my real personality? I don't know. A different facet of my personality. However, if there are big personalities in the room already... I shy, I, I shy away and cower and don't really talk. Um, to prove it, I'll just let you know that all in all my class assessments, 
since elementary school to high school, every single teacher is like, Talia's a great student, but she needs to participate more. Why, why do I need to participate? If I don't have a question, I don't have a question. If I don't want to answer your question, I don't want to answer your question. No. Please, leave me alone when I don't like being the center of attention. But yeah, I really am socially anxious. I've been shy since I was little. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's a little I overshare on the internet again. So yeah, I think I'm definitely going to end the episode here. Am I going to record an ep- another episode tonight? Who knows? Probably not. <laughs> but um thank you for listening whoever is listening because you're a real one if you if you didn't say this long if you did say this long i'm more than appreciative so thank you for listening and i'll catch you on the flip side catch you next time i don't normally talk like this bye